0: Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope that you enjoy this encouraging message. For more information on our church family, visit freechapel.org forward slash OC. So did you bring a Bible? One Samuel turned, who brought a Bible? I'm praying for you. Look at the screen. For those of you who haven't brought a Bible, I know many of you have. You're just too cool to yell out. I get it. 1 Samuel, or 1 Samuel, however you want to say it, chapter 30. We uh, Last week, uh, we were talking in... uh, We're still in this little series that we're doing on David. Um, And last week, we talked about um, David as being a man after God's own heart. We asked ourselves the question, um, how's my heart? How's my heart? Because when we recognise that David was a man after God's own heart, really a way to um, explain that would be David was somebody who wanted what God wanted. And if we are to aspire um, to be that have that same posture in our heart if if I want to want what God wants then I need to align my heart with his heart and so I have to check myself and ask myself the question how's my heart how's my heart is my heart lined up with the heart of God am I and I'm, am I representing what is God's heart am I when people look at me do they see Jesus um, and we talked about that this week I want to look at a story in David's life as we continue in this series on the life of David. I'm going to read a few verses um, from a story and then we will um, I'll give you my uh, little sermon title. But David, we know he lived a life of challenges. There were ups and there were downs. We can learn so much from his ups. We can learn so much from his downs. That is why I think we like to look at David because we're encouraged, because we can relate to David. We get David um, because we all experience the ups and downs of life, don't we? The story that we're going to pick up is a moment where David has an incredible down moment. And what happens in this story, to just set it up for you, David um, had <clears throat> experienced rejection from Saul. Remember, Saul is, is, is king over Israel and he had rejected David, he did not like David. Remember, he's out to kill David and David is escaping from Saul and David has moments, two moments in fact, when David had an opportunity to take Saul's life and he didn't. He did the right thing. And so David is being chased across the desert and Saul is out to kill him. And finally, David realises that he doesn't have anywhere to go. And so David realises, the only people that might accept me Um, is a king called King Akish was his name and he was the king of Gath. Remember Goliath? King Akish was the king of Gath, a Philistine king. And this is the place that David thought he might find some refuge. You know things are going bad when you have to go to your enemies for refuge. This is where David is at. I'm setting this up because I want you to I want you to see how low David really gets. And David goes to King of Kish and he's like, hey, you know, sorry about Goliath, can we still be friends? And <laughs> he doesn't, but you know, that's how it went in my mind. And so King Akish, he's smart, you know, because David, David's a leader and David's a fighter. And David at this point he has six hundred dudes that are rolling with him, and these guys are tough. And then went in battle. So King Akish thinks to himself, this is probably a good move. If David's coming to me with these 600 men, these, this might be a good, a good group of men to just you know, have on side just in case. So Kish says to David, okay, I'm going to give you this land uh, and I'm going to give you this land called Ziklag and you can have that land and you and your, your boys can chill there and hang out. And so David does, and across the next three months, David and his men are going out, um, having victory upon victory. King Akish comes to a time of battle where they're going to come up against Saul and Israel. And so Akish reaches out to David and his men and he says, hey, listen, will you roll with us and let's, let's go win this battle? So David says yes, and so he shows up to the battlefield with his 600 men. And the Bible says that the the, the priests of the Philistines, they see David and and they're concerned about this whole scenario because they think, listen, David, we can't trust this guy. If we're going to go into battle against David's people, even though they're against him, what if he turns? What if he flips a script on us halfway through the fight? We can't have him. So Akish goes up to David and he's like, Hey, bro, listen, I know I said you could fight with us, but we need you to bounce because, you know, we don't trust you, basically. So David leaves. Stay with me. We're going somewhere. David leaves, and this, I want you to see this moment for David right now. This is a pretty low moment because David cannot find refuge with his own people. Now even his enemy who they were sort of he had sided with a little bit now they don't want him his own people don't want him. Now David is left going back to Ziklag with his tail between his legs and 600 warrior men that have been following David looking at David like now what are we going to do nobody even wants us. And this is where we pick up the story and it says here that David And it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south at Ziklag and attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire. And had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but they carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city and there it was burned with fire with their wives, their sons, their daughters had been taken captive. Down to verse 6. Now David was greatly distressed. For the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. I want you to see the reason why I gave you the the uh, little build up to the story is I want you to really catch in your heart how difficult this moment was for David. Because David has just come back realising that nobody wants them. He's coming back to Ziklag and now he gets to Ziklag and everything has been destroyed. Everything has been destroyed. Their wives, their children have been taken. Everything has been burned. Everything has been stolen. Now David's own men are looking at David ready to kill him because they blame him for what has happened. I want you to see how down this moment is for David. Don't worry, we're going to pick it back up again and I'm not going to leave you and send you home depressed. (laughs) But what I want to preach to you is just from this thought, I want to preach to you from the thought down but not out. Down but not out. If you've ever been down and got back up, This message will be an encouragement to you and a reminder to you of what God has done in your life. And the fact that you're here today is a testament to the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God in your life. That when you are down, if you serve God and trust in Him, you are not out. That if you are here and you have never been down this low before, then take notes and fold up this little sermon and stick it in your back pocket because I wanna promise you there will come a time, I'm not prophesying doom and gloom, but I am saying there will come a time where you will feel like this and think you're out and you're gonna have to take out the little notes that you took at Free Chapel in Orange County from a crazy tattooed Australian that you couldn't understand what he was saying half the time and remind yourself that even though you're down, you are. Are not out. This is the God that we serve. This is something that we need to remind ourselves that no matter what you face, your God is always, always, always bigger. And I'm not downplaying what people are going through. And I know I may not know your exact circumstance, but I do know the God that we are preaching about. And I wanna tell you that God is greater, bigger and able, more able than anything you can imagine and anything you face will not overcome the God you serve. You may be down, but you are not out. And what we're going to do is we're going to look real quickly. I'm going to give you, yes, five points. Five. I know it's a lot. It's going to be a busy week for you with all the homework I'm giving you. But five points. I want you to write them down. Get a pen. Get them on your phone. Write them on your neighbor's arm if you need to. But get ready to write these down. I want to give you five points. I'm going to give them to you right now. So this will help me stay on track. Are you Ready? Three people, I'm so glad I I spent time on this message. So glad I did it. Listen, five things I want you to write down. First thing, I'm going to explain them in a second, but let's write them all down now. First one, I want you to write down, own it. Say, own it. it. Number two, I want you to write down, give it. Say, give it. it. Number three, believe it. it. Number four, ask for it. Number five, do it. Own it, give it, believe it, ask for it and do it. I'm not preaching something that's not here. I'm showing you that in the life of David in this story, we're looking at David's response and how David was able to get up from a very very low place. It says that David David strengthened himself in the Lord. Who did it? This is going to be class participation today, guys. I know you don't want to, but I do not care. I am going to make you. It says that David strengthened himself in the Lord. Who did it? I want you to see that David was the one that had to strengthen himself in the Lord. There will come a moment in your life if you have not already been there, where you get so low and the first step to getting back up from where you are is to actually own it and not look to anybody else to help you and recognise that if you're gonna get up from where you are, you have to be the one to make the decision that I am gonna strengthen myself in the Lord and I'm not gonna wait for somebody else. You need to be clapping a lot louder than that or I will sit back down. I'm not gonna wait for somebody else to do it for me. You have to own it. We live in a day and age where everybody is so quick to blame everybody else, every circumstance, people around it, the way we grew up, the government, our boss, our siblings, our spouse, for the situation that we're in. Yes, other people may be responsible for it, but from this moment onwards, you have to take responsibility and say, it is what it is. It may not be my fault that I'm here, but I'm gonna get up from where I am and I am going to own it and I'm going to do what I know to do right now. you got to own it. you got to own it. You cannot be like the man that was laying beside the pool of Bethesda and Jesus said, what's going on? Why are you not healed? Remember what, what He said? He said, I have nobody here to help me to the pool. A very quick way to delay your miracle is blame somebody else for why it has not happened. It's nobody nobody else's fault but your own. If you're in that same situation, if you're facing the same thing day after day, we have to own it for ourselves and get up and do what David did and say, I am going to strengthen myself in the Lord. We have to own it. I know it hurts, but it will help. We have to own it. We have to recognise that yes, you may not deserve it. Yes, you may not have asked for it, whatever the circumstances that led to the point that you're at right now, if it's a low point, but you have to own the moment right now and say, you know what, I'm making a decision that I'm not going to stay down. I may be down, but I am not out. We have to rise up. Something's got to rise up within us where we push against this victim mindset that can so quickly creep into our thinking where we start thinking that I'm this victim and all of these things have happened. And I'm not downplaying people in here have experienced horrible things. But I am here to build your faith and remind you that you serve a God who is greater and God doesn't just wanna do something in you. He wants to do it through you and it's gonna start with you. Own it. Own it. Blind Bartimaeus is very different to the man beside the pool of Bethesda. Blind Bartimaeus is the one that was shouting and screaming. And when people told him to be quiet, he just shouted even louder. He owned where he was. And he said, I'm going to get up from where I am. I'm going to scream. I'm going to shout, rant and rave until Jesus hears me. It's owning it. The second thing that we see Jesus did, Jesus did, David did. Second thing i got you to write down, number two, was give it. Give it. The low point, the difficulty, the challenge, the hurt, the pain. Because if you just own it, thinking that you can do it on your own, it'll turn into this humanistic thinking mindset that you can do it and accomplish it without God. But we have to own it, then we have to give it because it says. It doesn't say that David strengthened himself, period. It says David strengthened himself, where? In the Lord. If you're going to not stay down, you have to make that decision to say, I'm going to own it and now I'm going to give it to God. And I am going to strengthen myself, but I'm not going to strengthen myself in myself. I'm going to strengthen myself in my God. That I'm making a decision in this challenging time right now that David was in, as difficult as it was, understand that the the beauty of a low moment is so often you can get to a point where you are so low. There is nobody else around you that can help strengthen you but God. David could not strengthen himself and his friends. They were ready to kill him. He could not strengthen himself in his things because they had been taken from him. He could not strengthen himself in the king that he served because the king was out to kill him. David had to strengthen himself in his God, but he had to give the situation to God. If we wanna make that decision, then I'm not gonna stay where I am. I'm not gonna sit here and just hold on to what I have. I'm gonna give it to God and say, God, when I got saved, I surrendered my life to You, which means that everything I have is Yours, including the bad stuff. So what I'm facing right now, I'm not gonna to hold to myself. You gotta take care of this for me and I am giving it to You right now and I'm trusting You with it. And it's in that moment that you will be strengthened in God. We have to own it, then we have to give it. Psalm 46 of verse one to three, of the psalmist says, God is our refuge and strength. A very present help when in trouble. Very present help in trouble. Too often I catch myself in a difficult circumstance, I'll say, and it's true, but now I wanna change what I'm saying. When I'm in a difficult circumstance, I'll say, look, in the end, it's, it's all going to work out. God's got it in the end. You ever heard that? You ever said that for yourself? God's got it in the end. And it's true, He does. But this verse is telling me something different. I saw it and I thought, you know what? I'm going to stop saying that. Because ultimately, I know God's got it in the end. But when you're going through hell, I don't need God to have it in the end. I need God to have it right now okay because I don't you know how people say well God's got it in the end well people say to me well God's got it in the end we'll think well when it's ended I don't need God to have it then because it'll be over <laughs> in the end it's all going to work out for the good yeah good I'm oh, all well, great so what do I do between now and then That's where this verse is great, because it doesn't say he's my ever-present help at the end of trouble. At the end of trouble, I don't need him. He's my ever-present help in times of trouble. So I can say, yes, it's going to work out for the good in the end. But it's also working out for the good right now, because I'm giving it to God. And God is doing a work in my situation right now where I am. But I've got to give it to God. I've got to give it to God. The other thing, I know we're moving quick, but I want you to say with me. The third thing i want got you to write down is you've got to believe it. You've got to believe it. You cannot let what you're facing steal the faith that's within you. The presence of your problem doesn't mean the absence of a promise. What do you believe in? Don't let what you're facing cause you to question who your God is. We have to believe it. What we do sometimes is, especially when we're going through something that's bad, sometimes we try and reduce the size of our problem to try and feed our faith a little bit. You met people and they're going through like literal hell, and they, you know, they're like, "Well, no, it's not so bad. I know God's got it." And you still feel like saying, "Well, no, it's bad." You know, they just get people just get so super spiritual. Well, how are you? Well, I know God's got it. <laughs> it's just gonna be amazing. Um, no, it's bad. Your life is a freaking disaster, bro. I, I don't know how to say it to you, but that's just the. But we, what we do is we, we, we minimalise what we're going through in some sort of pathetic attempt to try and elevate God. It's, it's an example of where we're trying to give God help He doesn't need. God doesn't need you to minimize what you're going through. He's not intimidated by the size of your problem. So it's okay to be like, okay, This is a nightmare. As long as you then say, but God is bigger. Because last time I checked, the way you defeat your enemies is to lift up the name of Jesus. Because the Word says, let God arise. And the enemies will scatter. So you don't have to water down what you're going through. In fact, church should be a space where we come in and say, Dear Jesus, I barely made it today. If God doesn't move in my business this week, I will be bankrupt. I need God to move. It's then you can activate faith and say, But God is bigger. God is able. And I'm going to get a breakthrough because this is what my God does. Don't water down the problem. I You cannot find any story in Scripture. In fact, you read the stories in Scripture, they never watered down how bad it was. In fact, when Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego were put in the fire, they said they made the fire seven times hotter. Your God is not intimidated by the size of your problem because the fire was hot. Jericho was big. Goliath was ugly, but God is still good. So you don't have to water down what you're going through to build faith in your heart that God can still move in and through your life. But we have to put our focus on who He is and not the size of the problem around us. Don't water it down. Don't water it down. Just declare that God is able, let God arise. Let God arise. And the enemies will scatter. But you've got to believe. You've got to believe. You've got to look at your situation sometimes and, and, and find. Because when we say this, I understand it. We say we've got to believe. Sometimes it's hard. I get it. It's hard to believe. I don't want to skip through this point just thinking, you've got to believe and we shout and cheer. And then get up tomorrow and think, yeah, but that's. Listen, it is hard as hell sometimes to believe. I'm just telling you, I I find it real hard to believe sometimes. Don't tell anybody because, you know, I'm pastor in the church and I'm not supposed to. (laughs) Let's just let it be our little secret, you know. (laughs) Sometimes my faith needs help. You know what I mean? Sometimes you want me to give you a little faith cheat? You want me to give you a little... So, look at you, you're so concerned. Listen, just stay with me. You think, you're like, okay, he's going off the deep end now. Find something, this is a little, find one thing in your situation that you can give God praise for. And focus on that. One thing. I know it's bad, I know it's difficult. I know it's challenging. Find one tiny thing in there that you can just give God praise for. Where well, you can find a sentence that you could start the sentence with, at least it's not this. Even if it's a matter of just being able to say, at least I'm still here. It helps your faith. Because in the story it actually says this. It says that when it was speaking of everything that happened to them, there's one line in there, and I saw it, and I thought that would I thought if I was David, that would help me. And the line was the line is that says that when they they took everybody, but it says that they did not kill anyone. And I saw that and I thought, if I was David, that would help my faith. Because I would focus on the fact. That yes, they've been taken, but they haven't killed him yet. It's a little faith cheat. It's something to just, even if it is just simply saying, you know what, God is, the enemy has taken everything, but you're still here. You're still here, which means if you've got heart in your beating in your chest, there's still purpose on your life. And if the enemy's plan ultimately is to kill, steal, and destroy, and you're still here, then he hasn't accomplished what he wants to yet. believe Believe it. Believe it. Believe that there's great things in store for you. Believe that God works all things for the good believe that there is no weapon in hell that's going to prosper. It doesn't say no weapon in hell will come at you. But it will not prosper. What a promise. huh? I'll preach myself happy this morning. He can't get me. That, that's incredibly freeing. The devil can't get you. You can try, keep trying. It's not going to prosper. You've got to believe it. Then David, when he believes it, he prays. The fourth thing I've got you to write down is you've got to ask for it. It says, David inquired of the Lord. How's your prayer life? prayer life. It's a constant conversation with God. I want you to hear what David prays. David goes before God and he says, listen to the faith in his prayer. I would not be praying this prayer, I don't think. My prayer would sound different. David has lost everything. His own men want to kill him. And David goes to God and David says to God, God, do you want me to go after these guys and kill them? I feel like saying David, David, with what? Like, where are you at, bro? Like, you got nothing? No the guys that normally would have your back and fight with you, they want to kill you. If I, if I was praying, like if I was praying something to God, I'd be like, Help. Too often that's how our prayers sound and God always meets you where you're at and He'll hear those prayers too. But I wanna encourage you to elevate your, your perspective on your prayer life and pray from a position of victory and strength, recognising that despite the fact you may have lost everything, you are still something when God is on your side. You and God is a majority. So when you come to God and pray, you've got to come from a position of strength, knowing who you are in God, knowing the promises that you stand on, knowing the purpose that's ahead of you and knowing that anything the enemy has taken, he has to return when you come to him under the covering and the blood of Jesus Christ and you pray it in Jesus' Name. We've got to pray it. We've got to get back to just old school smacking our fists on the door of heaven, asks, seek, knock and say, God, give me my breakthrough. We've got to get back to just old school, praying in the Spirit. If you don't know what to pray, pray in the Spirit. If you don't pray in the Spirit, if you want to, come to the front and one Sunday we ask, I'll pray for you and we'll get you doing it. But you start to pray in the Spirit and then God will start to do things that you didn't even know need to happen. And that's the power of praying in the Spirit. But we've got to get back to this place. Of asking him, what do you want? What breakthrough are you believing for? What do you want over your kids? I pray over my kids every single night. I lay hands on those two little rat bags that drive me nuts sometimes. I pray the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Guard your heart and your minds. I declare over each of you that your steps are ordered by the Lord. I put the blood of Jesus around you right now. I bind your mind to the mind of Christ. I come against every attack of the enemy and scheme and strategy of the enemy. I pray right people into your life. Keep the wrong people away. I've been praying for their spouses since the day that they were born. The people that they're going to marry. I pray that God would order their steps. That God would strategically cause paths to align. I'm not going to let the devil catch me sleeping and, and nor should you. It's time for you to start praying. Pray over your finances. Lay hands on your bills. Pray over your house. Anoint the place with oil. It's time for some of us to get back to the old stuff. The word I'm telling you, it works. It's the power of the Word of God. It's the power of prayer. And when you do it, things will happen. It'll happen. I'm telling you. I'm just t- I'm telling you it'll happen. I remember being on a, on a youth camp. I, remember, I think I, don't, I can't even tell, remember if I told you, but I'm on a youth camp one time. We're praying and kids down the front, I felt God said, we've got to start anointing people with oil and, and set people free. And I said to the Kid that was traveling with me, I said, Go find some oil. And he's this young kid, and he's like, Okay, you know, he runs off. He comes back with a coffee cup. He's standing on the side of the stage holding the coffee cup. I go over and I look in the coffee cup, and it's all this yellow, murky. I'm like, What is it? I said, What do you got here? He said, I couldn't find any oil, but I found margarine in the fridge, so I put it in the microwave. (laughs) I said, Give me a godal use. I started putting margarine, melted. (laughs) These poor teenagers had yellow dripping down the head. And listen, God will do it. You just do a little bit. God will do a lot. Grab whatever you've got to grab and say, God, would you anoint it and pray and believe and God will go before you and you'll see, I feel faith in here this morning. You will see God do something on your behalf. But you've got to ask. You've got to ask. The last thing. You with me? Five. Number five is you've got to do it. Faith without works is dead. It's dead. you got to do it. David said, God, are we, we going to take these dudes out or what? And God says, go on. He gets up, takes 600 with him. Halfway there, 200 of them said it's too hard. You know what David did? He just kept going. Because sometimes you've got to just go with what you've got. We've got to do it. You've got you to talk yourself into it, you've got to put, put action. Faith without works is dead. We, too often in the church, we're pray praying, praying, and praying, and we believe. We've got all this faith and we've got great faith, but you kill your faith when you do nothing with it. So then we're left with dead faith and no works. We wonder why we don't see the promises of God fulfilled in and through our life. We've got to do it. It's, it's the combination. It's, it's no good for me as a dad. I can pray till I'm blue in the face over my kids. But if I don't raise them right, if I'm not there, okay, let's just put it like this. I can pray for Leo, she's, she's three, turning four. I can pray that God covers her, I can pray the right people. But if I don't step into my role as a dad in her life, okay, what I pray lays dormant. Because yes, I had the faith when I prayed it, But if I don't recognise my role in this whole equation, what I prayed won't come into fruition. So if I prayed that she would, yes, pray that she would understand and be raised to know who she is in Christ as a daughter of the living God. Yes, absolutely. But my role as a dad is to show her and is to pick her up every day and hold that little face and touch her and hug her and tell her she's amazing and tell her she's beautiful and every Valentine's Day, give her more flowers than she's ever seen in her life. So when some stinking punk at 15 comes into her life and wants to give her something and it's not up to scratch, she's gonna look at that mangy little rose that that joker probably got from a cemetery and remind herself that, my my dad has been giving me roses for 15 years, bro. So if you want some of this and you want to be in a relationship, you better raise the standard. It's a little trick. My dad taught me. I watched my dad do it for years with my sisters. But there's, a, there's, a, there's, so, there's something you have to do You can pray for blessing in your life and finances. But listen, if you don't work, you won't get blessed. Let me tell you something that will be amazing. Be amazing. You want God to bless you in your finances, but you don't have a job. Okay, listen, I love you, but stay with me. If you get a job, I could throw a rock from this building and hit three businesses that would employ you in a heartbeat, okay? There's plenty of jobs. If you get a job and you work, 14 days after you started working, money will supernaturally, listen, I promise you, it's amazing how it works. It'll show up in your account and then you can give God praise for it. But you got to do something. Okay, are you done? have I upset all of you yet? <laughs> Psalm 43, verse 5. I'm about to close. I'm about to close. David says to himself, Why are you cast down, O my soul? Hear him talking to himself. Sean mentioned it earlier in worship. And why are you worried within me? Hope in God. He's talking himself into it. I want to tell you, you put this stuff into practice. God will bless you. He will pour out upon your life. Because this story, in this story, in the end, you know what happens? They roll down to that camp. It says, And David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. And David rescued his two wives and nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything which they had taken from them. David recovered all. But then it didn't stop there. David took all the flocks and the herds they had driven before those other livestock and said, this is David's spoils. I want you to see that last bit, that David took all the flocks and herds that they had driven before the other livestock. David did not just recover what the enemy stole from him. David recovered what the enemy had stole from those that went before him. This was the spoils. Now, that won't mean much to you if you have a perfect family history. But if you look back across your family line and you see hurt, and you see poverty, and you see divorce, and you see lack, then this story in Scripture gives you a licence To actually say to the enemy, I'm not just going to take back what you took from me. I'm going to take back what you took from those that have gone before me. This gives you a licence for you to break generational curses off your life. This gives you a licence to say what you stole from my parents, I'm gonna take that back for me. What you took from my grandparents, I'm taking that back for me. Why don't we just keep on going? What you took from their grandparents, and their grandparents, I want you to go back and find every stink and mangy thing across your family line that in the past you've been ashamed of and take that to your enemy and say, give me back everything that you have taken from those that have come before me. You have accepted things as normal because of what you've grown up in. You've accepted things as this is just who you are as a family. You've always been in poverty. You've always been in lack. Your parents were, their parents were. You've accepted all of these things. But it's now time for some of you to look the devil in the face and have the audacity to say, give me back. Not just what you took from me, but what you've taken from every generation that has gone before me. ends here with me it is going to change with me and it's going to change now my family my dad my grandfather committed adultery his brothers committed adultery his dad committed adultery their brothers committed adultery My dad said, you know what? This is going to end here. It's time for some of us to cut the line. God's going to bless you. What you think the enemy stole from you, he did not steal. He's just borrowed it and it's going to get returned to you with a greater return than you can possibly imagine but you got to do something in the past year there was probably you know two or three moments where i would say i think i legitimately thought i was i was done I think I, I think I legitimately there was probably two or three moments where I thought I just cannot, I just can't do it. I can't. And I remember just just praying and just saying to the Lord, "I I, I don't have it in me anymore. It's 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 sucked everything out of me, and, and I'm down to the bare." just the bare minimum it was actually there was that thought that, that I preached my first sermon back where I talked about um, Paul's I knows and I talked about the, the, the three things that I know, just three basic things so I was at this point where I, I literally I remember saying to God i like, oh, got like this much You can't, you know, you can't preach off this much. You've got to be full to pour out. I remember saying to God, I don't have it to pour out. But I remember God speaking to me and He said to me, If you will give me the little, I'll do a lot. And I remember saying to God, I'm like, God, if if I'm gonna give the little. You know, I I, I need you and I need you to really give a lot. Like I need you to show up, you know. <laughs> I remember saying, God, don't leave me hanging. It was only must have only been a couple of weeks. Because I said to God, I need you to confirm. You've got to confirm. I, I need you to I need a you know, I remember saying to God, I just need I need a boost. I need a boost. I need a, a couple weeks in, Adam, our executive pastor, calls me. And he said, listen, I just got a call from, a, from an attorney who's overseeing a deceased estate. And he said, there's a lady that, an elderly lady that has just passed away. This was, what, a few months ago now. She just passed away. She owns a property, she owned a condo, two blocks from the beach in Huntington Beach. She just passed away and she's left the entire property to Free Chapel, Orange County campus. And and I remember hearing that call and I said, I remember saying, Adam, what? Like, who is she? We don't know who she is, we have no record. Apparently she just used to watch the service online. I felt like, I remember ringing Pastor Jensen, and he's like, he said, this is is like your first million dollar check. You know, every pastor, you know, it's like someone at some stage will write a million dollar check. He's like, it's a special moment. He's like, this is big. It's like a kiss from heaven, a confirmation of God saying, listen, if you do a little, I'll come in behind you. And I'll do a lot. I'm reading through the, the paperwork with Adam. We're looking at the paperwork of all the details the trustee sent through. And as I'm looking at the numbers, I'm like, something, something didn't add up with the numbers and the valuation and things like that, you know, from based on when she purchased the property in the early 80s. And well she paid for it then and it just didn't and i said to adam ring him find out something this doesn't make sense I'm, I'm not i don't know if i'm reading it incorrectly or what so adam rings them back and says hey listen we just had some questions about the condo and and you know and he asked them you know the questions that we were wondering and the attorney says no and then adam said and the attorney said no you're misunderstanding and we said no we understand the lady's passed away and she's left left the condo to the church. And he said, no, 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 the lady has not left a condo to the church. The lady has left a complex of condos to the church. (laughs) Two blocks from the water in Huntington Beach, there is a condo of five, a complex of five condos that this woman has left to the church. Then the attorney said, also, we just found out. Remember David got spoils? He said, she also has left the contents of her bank accounts. Listen, this old girl has more in the money, more in the bank than any of us, I promise you. Her contents of her bank account, just over $1 million in cash she has left Free Chapel, Orange County, including all of everything that's in her apartments, the cars, everything that's in the condos, her cars, her jewellery, every single thing that she has owned, she has left in her will to Free Chapel, Orange County of 277 Magal. Listen, I wanna tell you that if you will step out and give God a little bit, God will come behind you and do a lot. And there are spoils coming your way if you've got the faith for it. This is not just a blessing for our senior pastor, this is a blessing for us as a campus. And if we will take it and grab a hold of it and say, God, we want every single thing that You have for us. There is blessing coming your way that is over and above what you could ask, think or imagine. And now he's praying, saying, God, we give it to God and we say, God, would you show us, guide us, direct us, put the right people around us, because ultimately it's all for his glory. But the point to it is if we would just do something. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. To watch our latest message, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Free Chapel OC.